Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. I'm Squirrel. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. We're here in Las Vegas, of all crazy places to be. I, I'm perpetually amazed that I'm here in the middle of the desert with this massive amount of infrastructure all around us and beautiful mountains in the background. And we're here for the uh, DevOps Enterprise Summit. I got it right that time. DevOps Enterprise Summit, sponsored by IT Revolution, the publisher of our book, Agile Conversations. And we're talking to lots of authors from the conference. Who are we talking to today, Jeffrey? We're with Dominica DeGrandis, who is a principal flow advisor and author of the book, Making Work Visible, Exposing Timed Theft to Optimize Work and Flow. And I got to say, I really love that uh, phrase there of time theft. What, what's time theft? What's, a, what's an example? Well, first, thank you for having me here. Uh, so when it comes to time theft, there's five thieves of time. Uh, that I believe if we could start to make visible and track, we'd be able to get things under a little bit better control uh, and have more time. So time theft being interruptions and context switching that often comes from conflicting priorities and unknown dependencies and mm -hmm. all this unplanned work. Time theft as being, I go to work and I've got back-to-back -back meetings all day and there's no time to get my real work done. Mm -hmm. Right? If we can't get my real work done during the middle of the day at work, when do I get it done? Right. I get it done at after I put the kids to bed at night, you mm -hmm. know, or I get it done on Sunday afternoon. It's like Sunday's the new Monday now because <laughs> it's the only time when I know I'm not going to be interrupted. It doesn't make sense to start something at work when I know I have a meeting to go get to in 30 minutes. Like you can't do your work at work. You can't do your work at work, right? It's yeah. for creative people, for what I call creative maker people. So developers, designers, writers, you know, you need a nice large chunk of uninterrupted time because it's complex and you want to like get into that without knowing that you're not going to be interrupted. So you have enough time to focus and get in the flow to actually finish something. And, and flow, that has a special meaning, right? So that's that's like a psychological thing. I've read about it, but I don't know much about it. What, can you tell her? You'll, yeah, they may not I mean, it's either. like what, being in, it's like, it? well, it's kind of dual meeting, but it's like being in the zone, right? Where you lose track of time, where you are so focused and enjoying what you're doing and knowing that you're making progress, knowing that you're creating something that's going to be useful to somebody else. Um, but we also talk of flow as how um, work flows through a value stream. Got right? it. And, and we want it to flow smoothly and we want it to flow fast. But, but the, the first meaning is the one that I've, I've read about but don't know much about. So that's right. that psychological state, the flow state yeah. that you can be in. Yeah, just and, in the zone. And if the pager goes off and the boss comes for a meeting and someone comes to ask you a question, that breaks your flow. It breaks it. And sometimes it can take, it doesn't take very much to break it. You know what breaks it? It's that, it's that little slack being, you know, got a minute, <laughs> right? And now, but nothing ever takes a minute, mm -hmm. right? And now you've interrupted that thinking and it's up to, you know, there's studies that show that it can take 20, 25 minutes to get back to the point where you were 
before you got interrupted. Got it. And are those studies there in the book? So if our readers brought the book, would we? I, I do mention that and, and in the book. Ideas about that? Fantastic. Yeah. We'll get what we can in the show notes, but okay. certainly Dominica's book would be a, a great place to learn more about flow if you wanted to do that. Yes. And you're the, your title, I, I love your title, is Principal Flow Advisor. Advisor. Excellent. So yeah. you actually help people to do this. I do. I do. I work with companies to make their work visible, make their handoffs visible. Uh, and design experiments to, in order to improve that flow. So how can we see where work is stalled out? Where's mm -hmm. the bottlenecks? Well, this, is, this sounds good, but I, I think I often find that people will um, need to have an example of the problem before they understand why the solution is valuable. So mm -hmm. what, is, what is the world like when you don't have work visible? You were, you were telling us earlier about a, an example where you walked in and you found that a bit of time theft in action, a lack of flow. Can you, can you tell us yeah. about that? So the problem, if you ask people what prevents you from getting your work done, mm -hmm. they often say that we're just completely overloaded. And mm -hmm. so I was working with uh, a team uh, of 41 engineers. So these are sysadmins, DBAs, uh, network engineers. And they're working on you know, like 33 projects at the same time, trying to deliver new features. They're trying to build out six data centers across six different countries within six months. They're still carrying the duty pager, so they're still troubleshooting production issues, and they're constantly being interrupted, so much so that they put two project managers in front of them to sort of protect them from all the uh, inbound demand. All the inbound <laughs> demand. But but they had mutual dependencies upon each other, so they're interrupting um, themselves too. Right. It's very hard to be heads down and try and get all that work done without being interrupted. So we tried an experiment, actually, because we wanted to see what the nature of the demand was for the interruptions. So the project managers who were sort of shielding uh, all these engineers put a big board up, uh, you know, six foot feet tall, four feet wide, and they created just a simple Kanban, you know, to do doing done. Mm -hmm. And every time they got interrupted, they just manually created a post-it with just a, a, a few words to identify what the nature of the demand was. And we said, right. we'll just do it for a week. Well, at the end of the week, they had 92 interruptions. <laughs> wow. And so we, we looked at this, and by far... The number one thing were product owners wanting to know where their thing was. What is the status <laughs> of my project? And so that fed into some of the design changes that were made with their workflow tooling system. Mm -hmm. So that could be updated easier and people could see that. It also fed into some changes, other experiments that we tried because every day, uh, people are walking past this physical board when they come in the office and when they leave. If you want visibility on a problem, put it on a physical board on the way to the coffee. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, and the VP of ops is walking by and seeing it. Well, VP of ops isn't in the tooling that the, that the practitioners are in to see the problem. But when it's there physically, it's impossible to ignore. And because it's tactical people, you know, they stand back and they look at it, like, what does this really mean? And so it just drove a lot of, I mean, that's what we're trying to do, make work visible to provoke necessary conversations that are going to inspire change. And so the, um, the change that occurred was uh, we took, we took one of, at, one of each specialist, 
So we took a DBA, we took a sysadmin, we took a network engineer and one project manager, mm -hmm. and we moved them over into a different building and we sort of isolated them. And we said, well, what's some of the biggest pain points? Well, because they've got a million things on their plate and we keep starting work before finishing work, we've got all these projects that are 90% complete. Mm. And what we'd like for you, this team to do is to try and complete some of those projects, as many as you can. Well, they completed 10% of them within four weeks. Okay. So then you didn't because, have the, the log jam of Right, because they were projects. able to focus on finishing work. We have mm -hmm. this thing, it's called finish work before starting new work. Right. But, Crazy idea. Where did yeah. that come from? It's, <laughs> it's Seems well, obvious, because but very hard we for, don't want to say no. Mm -hmm. I'm doing an Ignite talk tomorrow about saying no doesn't make you an arse. Because as humans, you know, we're part of the tribe and we need to be valuable and we say yes. It's quite hard for people to say no. Mm -hmm. And I, I diagnose a, a, either some fear or a lack of trust in that organization as well, that there was fear. If I, if I say no, I'll get in trouble or conversely, I don't trust them. So I'll pressure them till they say yes. Was that kind of thing happening or am I missing? It is, but... I would argue that we do do it to ourselves, mm. right? I, I, I do it to myself because <laughs> there's so many cool things that I want to do. Right. And so I, I'll tend to say yes. My biggest time thief that I struggle with probably is conflicting priorities. Mm -hmm. um, if, we, if we were able to focus on one thing at a time and spend as much time doing if we were able to meet the demand, Mm -hmm. uh, if we had that capability to balance all the demand with the capacity that we have, then, you know, we wouldn't, there wouldn't be a need for a lot of the coordination and the rules and the policies and the government, the governance that gets put in place. But it's because we don't have the capability to meet all the requests. We, we're just, we're over, people overloaded. They're just, they're drowning. It's easier to make a request than it is to fulfill one. There's a couple of things strike me. One is the, the nature of this we. You know, you very much see yourself as among the people doing the work who need this sort of focused time. Is, is that right? You, I, yeah, you, you, you very I do. much empathize also. I Absolutely. Think. And that's something that yeah. can come across is when you're describing it, a lot of people would come up on these sort of things, and especially if I look at this, to me, there's a slight disconnect between reading your title, uh, making work visible, closing time tests, optimize work and flow, mm -hmm. sounds a bit sort of process, you know, we're looking for better business results, but, but actually hearing you talk, you're, you seem much more concerned for the people who are kind of suffering under the demand. Is that, is that accurate? Is that where your, your heart is in this? I go back and forth, but I, I do think it covers both because I was in that position. I used to be a build engineer. Okay. And so I spent a lot of time doing configuration management and branch and merge strategies and automating builds and deployments. And so Back in the day when you had big batch size releases and you took production down on a Friday afternoon and you prayed that it came back up before Monday morning when the East Coast came online. I said a lot of those prayers. And, you know, the project managers would bring pizza in for the whole weekend. And um, and so and, and listening to developers say that builds take too long and having to say it's not the build. It's because we don't have, you know, automated testing or, you right. know, or, um, and I, so I used to rant a lot about not having automated testing, mm -hmm. uh, but it got me nowhere. Right. 
And it really wasn't until I started capturing the data and taking more of a scientific and a systems thinking approach where I could start to present those metrics to leadership. Mm -hmm. And I did that, it blew me away because I got budget, I got headcount, but more importantly, I got empathy. Right. Okay. And so I would like to help other people find their voice. You know, they're mired down in all this work. They're just trying to do the best they can, given their situation, given how they're measured. Yes. Tell me how you're going to measure me and I'll tell you how I'm going to behave and help them find ways where they can communicate with leadership. They can communicate with business leaders, Mm -hmm. asking them to do things and then they can show and, and have a focus on business outcomes. So I, I do think they are married, but yes. I, I also um, am strongly empathetic with people who are, who are overloaded and they're just trying so hard, but <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's a struggle right now. And anybody who's been in technology is, has to reinvent their career every so often as jobs are automated away. And we're starting to see this right now with PMO, right? Yeah. I want to come back because one of the things you said that really struck me and you said you were, you took this ahead and you got budget and you got resources Mm -hmm. and you got empathy. Yes. And that was surprising. One thing that struck me is that this is something we'll, that Scorn and I will talk about it uh, quite a bit on the podcast is that we, very often people find themselves uh, in in a us them divide Mm -hmm. uh, where the, the belief is that that they who are forcing this upon us uh, are doing it deliberately and that they know the cost of what they're doing and they don't care. Yeah, come on, Jeffrey, I see what they do. They, they, they just push us all these demands on us. They have 92 in one week. I mean, we, we know what they are doing. Yeah, but it sounds like that when, when in fact, that wasn't what you found when you- that, Not at all. When so. you actually went and talked to they, not. They, <laughs> they, they did not want that. This is why capturing metrics and data is so important because now you can put the data up there and everybody can sit on the same side looking at the data and the metrics and that becomes the thing to fix. Right. Right. Everybody's just doing, I mean, there's always that one person, but (laughs) for the most part, everybody's just trying to do the best they can given Mm -hmm. their, you know, most of the issues aren't the people, right? It's the governance, it's the policies, it's the, how people are measured. It's, uh, you know, their OKRs. It's well, what I actually, what I hear is if I take what you're saying, literally, the problem is the ignorance, which is that people don't have the shared information to work from, because when you're putting that information together, you're generating something, you're generating an artifact and visibility that no one had before. Is, is that is, that's, is that that's what one of the things that we're trying to do is yeah. make all the artifacts visible throughout the value stream. So when we have these handoffs, people can get a heads up of what's headed their way. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the time it's you need that when yeah. like they, they're blindsided. <laughs> they don't have the visibility into what's headed their way. And the people who are making the request don't have visibility into all the other things that right. these people are trying to do like everything's a priority one, which means nothing is a priority one. Um, and so bringing visibility to all of that, I think, and and that's why we're seeing such a big shift in this movement from project to product. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell you something that I worry about in these situations and I I haven't seen it often. So I think it's more a, a fantasy worry. It's like the worry about they, 
But the worry is that people will use the, the metrics to beat people up. So we'll have the metric up there and it'll say, you know, you're supposed to do 92 in a week. I mean, it says here, we asked you to do 92 things. Okay, fine. Maybe we'll cut it down to 80, but you know, we're expecting you to do all 80. Why aren't they all well, done? Well, that's why we want to focus on business outcomes and not activity metrics. Mm -hmm. Activity metrics essentially account. Well, it doesn't answer the question, why is that important? Right? So there's a lot of proxy metrics out there. There's a lot of metrics that are captured because it's it comes with the tool, but it doesn't mean that it's a good measure that tells us how much value, how much you know, business value we're providing for our company. What's an example of a good metric that you've seen, one that you, you felt once it was in place made a difference? So I like to look at a balanced set of flow metrics. Okay. So there's flow time, which many people would refer to as either cycle time or lead time. One of my favorites. Right? There's flow efficiency. This is where we're measuring the ratio of work time to wait time. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, people spend all this time trying to estimate t shirt size work and how big this thing is when the right. bulk of the problem is that things are sitting in a wait state for 85% of the time. Right. We would be better off measuring cues and looking at some cueing theory and understanding how long things are sitting in a wait state. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'd argue with you. I'd say those aren't business metrics because I didn't hear anything the board of directors would want to hear. Now, I'm being very tough on you, so please argue with me. Please tell me where I'm wrong. <laughs> but, yeah. but those aren't things that well, uh, more okay. revenue, more so, uh, customers, so more territory. Often leadership will say, we need more developers. Right. Obviously, we're not delivering fast enough. Let's hire more developers. Which usually makes the problem worse, in my experience. If you're measuring flow efficiency, uh, like at one large enterprise recently did, the development phase of it was only two and a half percent of the overall uh, flow time. <laughs> yep, so developers weren't going to help at all. In another place um, we were working with, it was this ratio of um, UX designers to developers. You know, UX design is becoming so critical in in business these days, and we're starting to see the ratio change at a lot of big um, tech giants, mm -hmm. a lot more designers to developers. Yeah, and so, that. how I mean, how sure. do you know where your bottleneck is? Like, that's the question. Do you really know where your bottleneck is? If you're hiring developers, is it really in development? What about if you hired more UX designers? These are the kinds of business. Uh, decisions that can be made if we're measuring flow efficiency. Got it. And in your world, it's the it's the efficiency of the flow. How well are we using our development tools? It's not um, our development resource. How, how, but it's not directly tied to revenue or to um, number of users or um, the, the kind of commercial. It's rarely metric. it's rarely account. There is a um, flow velocity, mm -hmm. which is like throughput, because yeah. that's an interesting data point. And we want to be able to balance our metrics because if we tell the teams increase or, you know, improve your flow time by 50%, well, if they do that, what's going to happen to maybe their quality mm -hmm. metric, right? Sure. So we want to have a nice, it's fairly easy to game a metric mm -hmm. and we want to <laughs> have a nice, you know, keep things in balance. And that, and that's where flow distribution comes in. Right. Flow distribution is understanding what is our, it allows you to see the trade-offs in decisions. Do, should we be focusing on a lot of features right now, or do we need to bring in some security uh, compliance or, you know, risk factors that we need to, you know, reduce our 
security uh, risks. Uh, maybe we need to allocate more ca capacity next quarter to work on technical debt or to train up the teams, level them up so that we have, um, we're not single threaded in one, you know, 10x developer holding the bulk of the knowledge, right? So if I, so if I'm, I'm going to come back here to understand. So if I'm, if I'm hearing this podcast and um, I think, yep, I, I understand everything you're saying here. I've read um, this uh, maker time versus manager time. Yes, uh, uh, yeah. The, um, Y Combinator, Paul Graham, Paul Graham uh, yeah. uh, uh, article. Yeah. Yep, I get it. Um, I've, I've read about big visible charts before. Mm -hmm. I think that's all good. And I like the idea of you're going to help me gain a voice. Mm -hmm. um, where's the Where's the place I start? As a, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm I have this feeling. I feel like I'm drowning. Where do I go first? Obviously, I'm going to go read the book and, and do this. But what, right, what, right. just to focus me on that, what's the What's the first place that someone should look to? begin to develop their voice and view of the world? Yeah, that's such a great question. And of course, there's probably multiple good answers mm -hmm. to that question. But um, the question that I usually start with is what prevents you from getting your work done? Okay. And if I'm working with a team, the answers that come back from that are, are fairly common. You know, there's like the top five, like mm -hmm. we're, you know, too many meetings and not enough, um, just not enough capacity uh, and conflicting priorities and all these dependencies. And if there's a major pain point from the team, then start by making that visible because, you know, we're not going to boil the ocean. So, Decide on a few experiments, mm -hmm. and if you coach them as experiments, then they're safe to fail. <laughs> if it's right? not safe to fail, it's not an experiment. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, decide, you know, which of these pain points uh, you want to tackle, and and from that, from that, you know, short something small, four to six weeks. What are the activities we're going to do for this? Uh, what are the measures? How are you, How do we know we're going to be successful? And, you know, what's the goal? And I would also find the coalition of the willing. Find that one person on the business side who sort of gets it. There's usually one out there who can be your ally, who can partner with you and maybe sponsor this experiment to because... The person who likes the idea of it being done. Yes. Because, <laughs> Not 90% um, done. <laughs> because when you ask... Uh, business leaders, what so we ask people what prevents you from getting work done, and then you ask the business the people on the business side, or, or you are sorry, I asked the teams, what are your customers grumbling about? We call that business pain. Mm -hmm. And so, in order to it's a give and take, in order to get buy in to do some train team training or get buy-in to get technical debt approved and prioritized you're going to need their help so you need to give them something right and so if you can uh, give them hope that you will be able to deliver what they want faster address the business pain address the business pain because yeah. you're going to need their help fantastic well i like the idea of uh, making work visible being a source of hope I think there are, there are lots of our listeners who write to us and they, they, they experience a, a lack of hope. 
So it uh, sounds like Making Work Visible could be a, a book for them. So uh, you'll find a link to the to that book in the show notes. Thank you, Dominica, for, for being on the podcast. Thank we really you. appreciate it. And yeah. um, of course, we uh, how could we get in touch with you, listeners? Uh, what's the best uh, place to find you? I'm pretty active on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So it's Dominica D on Twitter. Um, and my website, ddgrandis.com. Excellent. All right. So uh, we'll have those in the show notes as well. If you if you didn't get them down or you're driving, don't don't uh, don't write it down while you're driving. I always worry. Um, so uh, and also, of course, you can get in touch with us on troubleshootingagile.com. So uh, uh, we'd love to hear from our listeners. Uh, are you trying any of these visible work techniques that Dominica talks about? Are they working well for you? Uh, what uh, what would suggestions or ideas might you have for for us or for Dominica? Um, we also like it when listeners subscribe. So uh, if you're using some kind of podcast app. Look around for that subscribe button because we come out every Wednesday and we have interesting interviews like this. We have Jeffrey and I arguing and disagreeing and agreeing sometimes about uh, the, the latest ideas that have come up in the world of, uh, uh, of agile development. Excellent. So uh, thank you, Jeffrey. And thank you, Dominica. Thank you. Thanks, Carl.